Hello and welcome to Feminist Fridays, your weekly intersectional dose of self-empowerment and equality. I'm your host, Sarah Liberty, coming to you from Sydney. And this week we have a guest who is a bona fide and opinionated mover and shaker. Her name is Sonia Seri, and she's the founder of a B Corps called Four Drunk Parrots. Her strategic marketing business is all about championing sustainability and balancing purpose and profit to improve the world we live in. Amen. But before we meet Sonia and learn all about what she and her parrots get up to, I'd like to kick off with a track by Hayden James featuring Jaeger called Waiting for Nothing because we can hardly wait to meet Sonia. You give me a lot, then you cut It's so dumb, I'm stuck with that like glow A moment I feel in my arms It's enough to keep me in this loop I could be waiting for nothing with you You're killing me, but it's all good If I could
Welcome to Feminist Fridays. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So I'd like to start by asking where you grew up and what your earliest memory is. Wow, uh, I grew up in Germany on the border to Netherlands and uh, Belgium um, in a town called Aachen. In German, we say Aachen, and in French, you would say Aix-la-Chapelle, and in Dutch, you would say Aachen. And it's a place like Kulangata, where, you know, three countries meet, and you can hop across the border. You can actually stand in all three countries at the same time, where back in the days, we had three currencies, where we spoke three languages. And, yeah, it was a very multicultural environment that I grew up in. Wow. Um, I think my first memory in, was in daycare, um, and I thought about that recently again, um, and I must have been four, and this new kid came into daycare, and she was, you know, looking very different to all the other kids that I uh, grew up with at the time. She was Chinese, and she couldn't speak a single word but she was very good in puzzling. That's what I remember. Um, 30 years forward, um, we're still in contact. I went to her wedding a couple of years ago. She's now a surgeon in Toronto, Canada. Yeah, so she's my longest friend and probably my earliest childhood memory. That's really cool. Um, and I love that you grew up in a place where you could be in Germany, France and the Netherlands at the same time. That sounds like my dream location. <laughs> Belgium, <laughs> not France. Oh. Uh, similar, Belgium. but um, okay. <laughs> different. That would be yeah. a stretch. See, yeah. I, I didn't study geography, so that would be why I got that mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was, um, uh, you, you know, you take it for granted when you uh, grow up in a place like that. It was not until much later that I realized how special it actually was. So you're currently the Alpha Parrot at your strategic marketing agency for Drunk Parrots. Um, was marketing something you were always drawn to or was there a certain moment that uh, it caught your eye? No, I was not interested in marketing whatsoever. Um, I actually studied a lot of things. Um, I have a double degree in geography and economics Ooh. and uh, also a master's in history of architecture and history of uh, social economics. And I then aspired to do a PhD in uh, uh, Suva, Fiji. And that's when I set out to, you know, travel the world and end up in Fiji and do a PhD there on sea level rising and climate change and whatnot. And I came via Australia and I never left. 
you know, sometimes life does that to you. You make a plan and it goes completely in a different direction. And that is now 11 years ago. And when I came to Australia and I couldn't really find a job and uh, other than in, you know, hospitality, backpacking kind of related industries, um, I decided I teach people how to use social media. So mm. I uh, run little seminars, super, you know, on a super small scale in the um, in the community center, um, and 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 that worked really well, and it grew, and then people started to use my my services. So I worked as a kind of a social media content creator, um, and then people wanted more services, and. Um, and I teamed up and um, with other freelancers and, and um, Born was my first company, really. So it was not something that I set out to, to work in or work with. Um, it kind of fell into my lap and I've been ever working in marketing since. Wow. And you, you, what were you going through your PhD in in Fiji? Yeah, well, look, I was really obsessed with an island called Kiribati, Kiribati. Um, and it's one of the first nations that probably will disappear uh, from this planet Mm. due to sea level rising. Mm. And the question that I raised was a question of sovereignty. What happens if we have to relocate a whole country if we have to relocate a whole nation where can we put them um, uh, 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 and what does that mean for their sovereignty and and yeah that that was you know the topic of what i wanted to research and um uh, never made it <laughs> i've been to fiji since and i still i can i can totally imagine myself being there but my life went in a different direction as you can tell yeah so i have to ask how did you come up with the name for drunk parrots was <laughs> it after having a few glasses of wine were drinking a uh, drinking and parrots a theme in your workplace <laughs> well this is the point where i should wow you with a really cool story about you know four people sitting in the northern rivers over too many pines and a parrot flying over us. No, it wasn't like that. For me, the essence of marketing is when uh, things become sticky. So I wanted a name for my company that makes people laugh so they Mm -hmm. won't forget it. And I tested that hypothesis for a whole year. In our first year, we didn't have a website or any collateral or business cards. We purely went by hoping that people remember the name and it, and it worked. And um, yeah, that's the essence or, or the, the, the philosophy of everything we do at Fondering Parents. We, we try to make it sticky and, and funny and a bit cheeky maybe. Totally. So let's talk about the work that you do. I would love to ask about your services. Um, I understand that you cover strategy, tech, creative, and marketing. Can you walk through what each of those things encompass and what some of the clients you work with are? Yeah, sure. So we have these four pillars um, and everything starts with a strategy. You need to, you know, imagine you want to, you know, fly to the moon. You need to have a starting point that would be Earth and you need to, you know, 
know where you want to go, which is the moon, and then you need to decide, you know, a vessel or a, a, a pathway to get there. And um, as rocket ships, so has the, the technical landscape in, in, in marketing changed over the years and it's changing ever faster. So you need to decide what's the best vessel to, to go from A to B. And, and, and that's the strategy that I develop. Um, and then once we decide how we get from A to B, we try, you know, different tactics. And that's where my marketing department comes in. They are the people who are implementing the strategy across, you know, digital and um, and real life, so to speak. And then um, that's the point where most companies and also my technical, my marketing departments run into technical issues. That's where our tech department comes in um, and help connecting the dots. So you always need an engineer on your rocket ship. So we have our own, you know, in-house developers, front and back end designers and full stack developers who are, who are making things work so we can market or help other companies to market. And then lastly, you know, we want to make it pretty and exciting and funny and cheeky. Um, and that's where our creative pillar comes in. I love the rocket ship analogy. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and how many people are in your team? Um, we're 12. We have an office in, in Darwin in the Northern Territory, um, servicing the whole NT. We have an office in Sydney at Custom House and um, we have an office in Ballina. And the core team, including me, I work mainly out of Ballina. I have two kids under four. Um, traveling once was very exciting exciting for me. These days I'm more of a hermit and, you know, enjoy the life that comes after work with my kids. So what? how would you describe your role as the alpha parrot? Your online bio says... You're the mind and the maker behind Four Drunk Parrots. <laughs> and there was a time where I would um, have said, you know, I was a benign dictator in my company. You know, I, I just <laughs> created this and I liked things to be the way I wanted things. So that's where the alpha parrot came you know, from. You know, I, I was the, the leader, told people what to do. But over the course of the years, and doing a lot of, you know, internal work and leadership work, I realized, you know, it's pretty hard to excite people and um, ask people to follow you if you, if, 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 if you tell them what to do. So my leadership style has changed a little bit over the years. And, you know, we have um, um, open book management. We have a really lean and uh, flat hierarchy in the, in the company. And my job really is to, to set the strategy for our clients and then make sure that my managers are excited to enough to, to work on those clients and exciting their um, teams um, and, and, and make them uh, you know, stay on track with our project. So I really have um, resided more to a um, mentor uh, role in my company. I still have... Um, CMO clients. So I work as a fractional CMO, chief marketing officer in three global companies, and I keep these clients. And within my company, I really act more as a mentor, um, man manage the manager, teach the teachers, so to speak. Fantastic. I love the benign dictator initial um, part of your career, but it's nice to know that you have evolved into something that's more of a mentor 
So as someone, I've worked in media, communications and marketing. So I'm going to guess that coming up with creative ideas is a core part of your business and what clients love about you. And just the story behind your name shows me that you definitely are a creative. Um, what do you think is the secret to success when it comes to generating big, fresh, creative ideas that make an impact? Mm. I, I don't really see myself as the most creative person. That's why I like to hire them and give them free reign. Really, I, um, I think mainly where we come in is less the creative part and more the tech part. So we are a MarTech company. We make tech work so you can market or we we market tech. So we do a lot of in the uh, SAS space. Um, uh, but and I think that's that's really our strong point, the strategy and the MarTech and the creative part. I don't want to say it's an afterthought, but it is certainly something that comes after everything works. You know, you need to build the um, I always say, if you want to build a house, you don't choose the wallpaper first. You make sure that the house is built on a good foundation and that the architecture understand what you want to create and what the vision is, what you aspire to do. Then you get really good builders in. And um, like with uh, building or with medicine, marketing is a really broad field these days, you know? So mm. in, in uh, building, you would have a, a plumber and an electrician and in medicine, you have a GP and then all sorts of specialists. And it's the same in, in marketing. You have a GP, a CMO who understands what you want to do. And then you get all the specialists in to, you know, make it happen. And then you choose the wallpaper, so to speak. Then we're talking about advertising and creatives and, uh, and all the fun stuff. But you need to make sure that you have an, an ecosystem that works for you. Um, yeah, and then I hire people who love being creative and the ideas just flow to them. And it's, it's wowing me. It's, uh, you know, that's the point where I can just lean back and enjoy what they have created. I think you do sound like a creative person, I will say, though, um, just from all of the different ventures and things you've done. But it's great to know that you also work with some other people who are very excited by the creative process. So your business is a certified B Corp. For folks out there who might not be familiar with this term, can you explain what being a B Corp business is all about? Sure. So traditionally, you were either a business that makes money, is there to make money, to make a profit, and uh, that profit was traditionally then distributed amongst your shareholder or goes in your own pocket, or you are a not-for-profit, you know, so you, you serve a, a broader uh, purpose or a community of some sort. And there was, for a long time, nothing in between. And then these clever people came up and challenged the traditional, you know, Friedmanche stake, uh, shareholder uh, philosophy and said there must be more to just, you know, making people richer. There must be a way to balance purpose and profit. And this is where B Corp was born, a benefit corporation, a benefit company. And um, you might have heard about um, triple bottom line. Um, we believe in the B Corp space that you can be profitable and also serve the environment 
protect and conserve the environment and also do good for people if that is your own people if that is your immediate community or if that's you know broader the broader population and in particular we're um looking at uh, marginalized communities or people who didn't have a fair fair go uh during history and and um and, and doing good for them too. So as a B Corp, we actually get audited and it's a very diligent process to become um, a B Corp. It took me nearly two years. Um, it's the most thorough audit I've ever seen in my life. Um, and you get audited on all these um, things. So how, how do you actually work as a company? Who do you serve? And how do you do good? And it's one thing to say, yeah, we're really engaged in the community and look at all the beautiful things we do. And it's another thing to prove that. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, once you are approved, I think there were over 100,000 companies who applied for B Corp status. And currently, there are a little bit more than 4,000 who have been certified. It's such a rigorous audit. Um, and once you are certified, you basically pass the bar. You are an ethical business. You, at the heart and the soul of everything you do, is the belief that you can use business as a force for good, a force for protecting, conserving this planet, and making life better for everyone who lives on it. It certainly is impressive. And I'm just a bit surprised that it wasn't something that came along sooner. Is the B Corps, I guess, network or institution, is it an international one? Yes, it okay. is. They have uh, their own chapters, so to speak. So Australia, New Zealand has their own, we call it B Lab. Right. Um, and then the US has uh, their own one and stuff's going on in Europe. And it's catching, uh, it's catching on, you know, people, people have heard about it by now because, you know, big brands um, uh, you know, carrying the, the, the message out. First and foremost, Patagonia and Clean Canteen. And, mm. you know, there, there's so many. You will find in every industry now people who are adopting this concept, which is fantastic. Mm, it is. So why has becoming a B Corps been important to for drunk parrots? So in the marketing world, um, or oh, let's put it this way, the marketing world is very sharky. Mm. And uh, what I mean by that is um, a lot of agencies have burned clients, have burned companies um, by being very, you know, arrogant and, and self-focused and charging a lot of money and not adding a lot of value. And people who come to us, they have gone usually through, through three, four, five companies agencies before and they know what they don't want anymore right. and i wanted to set us apart from all of these other sharks don't get me wrong i believe in the blue ocean strategy there's a, a, a you know enough work for all of us out there uh, it doesn't matter if you're a big or small fish but certainly i wanted to be very different and recognizably different from the sharks out there and this is why i put my three myself and the company through this ordeal of becoming a, a b corp it had to be at the soul of everything we do um and not just pretty words i think it's it's really impressive and i hope that more businesses 
start to more and more start to catch on because it's it's it is so important and um who says making money doesn't have to be good for the world so Mm. yeah to me it's it's a (laughs) no-brainer yeah and for us it's 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 you know it's a mission it's it's a movement it's basically our soul we believe that we have the power as a business and as well as a team we we get our fuel from being the voice for many and we will advocate and list we will activate we will protect you know what should be preserved it is it's attracting my tribe it's attracting the people with great passion for nature and and people it's attracting you know people who believe that caring is no longer enough we have to act now and we have to be generous with our time with our money with our action that's why we're so committed to the work of you know building a more inclusive company being a force for social and environmental good and um, that started how we prospect clients that um uh, you know, it goes to how much we work pro bono in the community. We do a weekly beach cleanup every Friday uh, that, that caught on like wildfire. We have neighboring businesses who are joining us for that too. You know, we, we're part of, you know, 1% for the planet. So we're giving 1% of our total revenue to um, environmental organization. We're climate neutral certified. And so on and so forth. So everything we do is really to give back. We all have a nice salary and we're happy for that. It's not about the money for us. For us, it is actually having a social environmental impact and not only in, you know, Mm. not only talking about it, we actually improve it. It's wonderful. I think more businesses, the more businesses that have soul, the better. So my next question is, as this is a feminist radio segment and podcast, how has feminism been a part of your journey? Uh, I understand that smashing the glass ceiling is a passion of yours. <laughs> yeah, well, people would say I'm pretty opinionated and outspoken. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it, they're not. So the, the ratio of male and female entrepreneurs in, in my industry is not equal. And um I, I, as a female business owner, run into so many situations where m- myself or my staff is discriminated, where we are not having the same opportunities, where we actually have to fight to create the same opportunities or being recognized. So it is something, um, you know, equality is really important to me um, and it's something that I would I didn't find in um, in uh, my industry um, and, and it drills down from there not even in my region I feel like I actually have a seat on 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 the table in a lot of organizations so the chamber of commerce was a local chamber of commerce is a good example you know I didn't feel like I I'm heard I didn't feel like they're actually interested in female entrepreneurs or you know enabling pathways for for females to start their businesses and scale them up so instead we started our own you know organization the Bellina um, businesswoman um, and did it ourselves or another example is uh, the other day I had a, a discussion uh, with our workers compensation insurance because they don't acknowledge my um, they don't recognize my apprentices because 
uh, although they are formally apprentices and I have a contract with you know, the government and I get apprentice uh, wage subsidies, etc. Um, they're not recognized because they don't do a real trade. They're just sitting behind the computer. So basically what they're trying to tell me is if you're, you know, going in traditional trade um, jobs, you know, that are normally dominated by, by males, then you as an employer are incentivized. But if you're employing, you know, females who then work as knowledge workers and you put them through an apprenticeship, you don't get incentivized. So these are like uh, things that I challenge and I challenge them all the way up the chain. And I really want to, you know, create a pathway for um, everyone to, to be seen equal and treated equal. And I use my business as a force for good to, to enable change. So feminism is something that I encounter in my everyday work life and will fight for. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it, it is interesting, the media and marketing industry, there are women, but the types of positions that they might be in are quite often quite different to the positions that men might be in. I mean, it is being challenged by people like you and we love challenges here at Feminist Fridays, um, but it's not balanced. So I'm with you. I'm very passionate about equality as well. So I've got one final question for you. Where can my listeners find you, follow you and connect with you if they want to connect with your crew or inquire about your services? So feel free to plug your website, social media profiles and anything else here. So you can find us at four, that's the number four, dp for drunkparent.com.au. Um, we're very active on Instagram. Follow us there. Uh, the handle is four drunk parrots. Easy to remember. And otherwise, you can also find us on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, keep on doing the amazing work that you're doing and keep on challenging the system. I'm with you. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Well, we have served you another sassy episode of Feminist Fridays for this week. But before you head off to smash a glass ceiling or two, I'm leaving you with another track by Snake Hips called All Over You. So enjoy and be sure to tune in again next week.